You're listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you'd like to know more about Hope Central or any of our ministries, please visit hopecentral.org.au. Absolute pleasure to introduce for the last time this year. He looks, I don't know, he looks bored. All right. Um, hopefully, we don't look bored. Uh, it's, my, it's my pleasure to introduce Pastor Ash to the stage. He has had a fantastic year. Think of Launch Point, think of Unique Active, think of Tuesday Night Church. This is all him. These are his ideas. So whatever he's got to say, have a listen. Oh, thank you very much. That's uh, too kind of you all. It's very good to be here. I am not bored. I'm, uh, I don't know what I am today. Uh, to be honest, I'm, I think I'm a little bit nervous. I've got a bit of a word to give you today, and I think it's, uh, it's a word in season. It's going to speak to a few people, so we're going to talk about that. Um, I may just start with prayer if that's okay, so let's do that. Father, I thank you so much that I get the opportunity to share your word with your people, Father. Lord, I pray that although it's my voice that's heard, Lord, let it be your spirit that people take on board today, Father. Lord, I pray that uh, you be in control. In Jesus' name, amen. And I get to talk about being in control today, and I think that's kind of ironic being this time of the year. Who's in control at this time of the year? I mean, seriously, I don't know about you, but, you know, you've got deadlines to meet. You've got the end of, end of work stuff to tie up and wrap up into a tight little bow and make sure it's done. And hopefully if you've done a good job and your, your boss is going to give you that Christmas bonus. <laughs> remember, remember launch point and choosing a, you just hope that it's all wrapped up and, and working for you. And barely have you completed that task that you go into the Christmas day mode where you have to ensure that you've got all the food right, your house is tidy, you've got the table toppers put there, you put the tree up but it's got to be the right tree, it can't be the same tree as last year. The baubles, did you know baubles have to change every year? Like seriously, why do they have to change every year? Surely you can stick the same ball, it's still a Christmas tree. But no, we do have to change the baubles every year. Do we go with tinsel? Do we just go with lights? There's so many things. Do you put the wreath on the door? There's so many things that happen. And Christmas can run over three days, can't it? You have to catch up all your different family members all the time, maintaining a smile and knowing that you're going to gain weight and have a lighter wallet at the end of it. <laughs> While making memories like understanding why you don't like Auntie Mabel's uh, Christmas pudding that tastes like old socks and rum. And you've got to do it all again next year. It's incredible. You know, sadly, people don't even know what the reason for the season is anymore. I heard a story once of these people who were walking past the shopping centre and there's, you know, Christmas scenes in the window and in the corner of one of them, there was the nativity scene and they stopped and looked at each other and said, have a look at that. They're trying to bring religion into Christmas now. <laughs> people, that's a true story. That's not a joke. I mean, that's terrible. People don't understand the reason for the season and people think, that I don't, I don't like Christmas. People actually think I don't. I actually got accused of that the other day, but I get accused of that a lot, actually. And I'm not a fan of Christmas at all, with what the world sees Christmas as. 
I find it terrible that we have to do all these things and put on all these airs and graces when the reason for the season is Christ, and that's what we need to remember. Christmas is the most out-of-control time of the year. Believing you have control at this time is actual insanity. It's impossible. You just have to roll with the punches and hope you make it through to the other side intact. Control. We all think we have control of our lives, don't we? And we wouldn't want it any other way. The thought of someone else trying to tell you how you should live your life, how you should raise your children, how you should be married, drives us nuts. Because we know how to do it, don't we? We have all the control. We don't want anybody to tell us what to do. But can we? Can we actually have control? Dave Navarro, who was a guitarist for one album with the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and then he was a guitarist for the um, Jane's Addiction Band, and he's also on Ink Masters. This guy, who himself has had a horrendous life, he watched his mum get murdered, he's had numerous lifelong friends die of overdoses of drugs, uh, die from anxiety and depression and those sorts of things. He wrote, and in his own words, calls himself a disgusting junkie. He wrote an article that said, the five people who secretly control your life. In it, he says, you may not realise, what you may not realise is just how many people influence your life, feeding your ideas about what is right, wrong, good, bad, and practically every other subjective decision-making criteria that guides your life. Some of these ideas are good for you, while others are bad. In fact, there are more people than you'd like to admit secretly controlling your life by influencing how you make your most important life-guiding choices. They're secret because you, re you usually don't know what's going on. The five influences that he named are your heroes, your nemesis, your parents, your partner or spouse, and the image of who you should be. I think it's, a, it's an incredible thing that a bloke with a life like that understands this, and it's true for all of us today. And I'm going to look at a few of these things, like your heroes. Uh, heroes control us, whether we like it or not. I am a right-handed person. I write right-handed, I bowl right-handed, I play golf right-handed, but my cricketing hero was Alan Border. So I became a left-handed batsman. I did all I could to become a left-hander. I used to go down the paddock at my, at when we lived in Gawler and I used to pick up a stick and I used to pick up rocks and I'd hit them left-handed all day, every day, while saying, yes, there's another four to Downing as he races to another 50. And now I can only bat left-handed. I I, it feels weird to stand this way, so I bat left-handed because Alan Board was my hero and I wanted to be like him. And I remember watching a young man here at the front, Rocky, he used to sit in front of the TV and watch the Crows as a little kid and then he'd run out in the backyard and he would recall the game word by word, doing much like his dad did, where he'd insert his name into it and Downing's kicked another goal and Downing's done this. And, and me and Anna used to sit and watch him. He was probably about seven or eight. But then you see, as he got older and started playing footy, he then started replicating his heroes. Then I remember watching him running down the wing, puffing his cheeks out, like Andrew McLeod, identical. Then when he'd score a goal, he'd do the monkey, like, what's his name? Scott, Scott Welsh, our heroes influence, regardless if we want them or not, our, our heroes have a massive influence on, and, on control on us. And today there's an actual word for it, they're called influencers. Social media has a lot to answer for when you look at influencers and that sort of thing. And I can, again, I'm looking at myself, I'm not looking at any of you out there because I know none of you would be influenced by people on the internet. But you know, I take my AG1 every day because it's packed full of 120 vitamins, because this bloke and his dog, Max and Oki, told me I should. 
and so did these guys. They told me it's the best thing you can eat. And these guys as well also told me that it was the best thing to eat. So me and Anna have AG1 with our breakfast because they told us. In fact, those guys are terrible because I wear these shoes because Nate wears these shoes. <laughs> they are Nate Buchanan, Nate Buchanan approved they are. And I mean, really, I'd never seen that. I did do research into those shoes and they are the most comfortable shoes I've ever worn. And maybe it was uh, Sharon. Sharon might have been the influencer. Sharon here? She was, she was the first person I saw in those shoes, actually, so maybe Sharon's the influencers. So David Navarro says that not everything is bad, but when you look at the issues with body disorder, anxiety and depression, even gender issues, some of these influences are controlling us and who we are and what we're becoming, and a lot of it's not great. Whether we like it or not, our heroes play a massive part in controlling who we become, just as your nemesis will. You know, has, has anybody had a nemesis before? One person, thanks Paul for being honest. I, I had a nemesis. I had a, I had a person in my life that controlled me to the point where it was, it was terrible. So this person had wronged me and I was so angry with this person for two years. All I could think about was this person and how I could get my revenge on this person. I'm being honest with you, this is what happened. And for two years, it, it clouded my thoughts. It was everything I thought about was about this person and how I can get back at him so I could clear my good name and make his dirt. And, you know, for two years, that went on. It only affected me, and it only affected my family. It didn't affect him. He had no idea that he was controlling my life the way he was. And I allowed that control to happen, and I allowed him to do that to me because all I thought about was how I could get my revenge on him. And I know there's lots of people who do that. Your nemesis plays a massive part in what you do. And it doesn't have to be an enemy. It can be a workmate. It can be a sporting or in, in the business world, you know. How much time do we spend thinking and focusing on that person and not on what we're supposed to be doing? It becomes controlling. Whether you realise it or not, that person is controlling you and the way you behave and they don't even know they're doing it. It's only going to affect you. We talked about parents the other day controlling you. You know, my parents, I've told you lots of times, I love my parents, so I just I want to make that clear that I, I do talk about my parents a bit and I love them, they're fantastic. But there were deficiencies in their parenting skills that went on to my life. And when I got older, I wanted to change those things. They did the absolute best they could in what they do. And I think parents, as a rule, try their hardest to do the right things by the kids, to give them the best start in life. But you can only lead out of what you know. And I think with my parents, they, they didn't know how to be great parents. They were fantastic for us, gave us everything we need. We went around, we saw Australia and that sort of thing. But there were things in their life, moral things in their life, that when I became a Christian and when I became older, I wanted to change. Your parents have a massive say in who you are and, and what you do. They, your parents, are, you become who your parents are. I spoke about I was a smoker because my parents smoked. And there's nothing truer than that. Your parents become who you become, are who you become. And then, of course, there's your partner or your spouse. Can you actually believe that Anna looked past all the things that annoyed her when we first started dating? <laughs> she dated me thinking that, you know, it was cute and funny and, you know, she loved the long hair and the nine earrings and she thought, that's fantastic. All the while, she secretly knew that when we got married, she'd be able to change me. <laughs> and it's true, isn't it? When we get married, when you first get together, you're on your best behaviour. You say all the right things, you wear all the right clothes, you even put on antiperspirant, which is pretty important. But as things progress, some of these shiny things become tarnished. 
what uh, was annoying and aggravating, it, was, it all became annoying and aggravating when we got married. Suddenly the clothes you loved to wear would disappear from your drawers and your cupboard, <laughs> and these new clothes would just rock up like pink shirts. They'd just <laughs> rock up in your cupboard and you think, well, where did that come from? You know, your beer would be taken out of the fridge and there'd be sparkling water put in there. There would be this green leafy substance that would end up in your fridge and there wasn't one packet of chips or cabana to be found in the house. And you just, how does this happen? I don't know. I think it might. It's true. I'm going to get in trouble when we go home, but that's okay. <laughs> but uh, I, can I just say, in all seriousness, if I hadn't met Anna, I wouldn't be the person I am today. So uh, She's not hiding chips and cabana very well either. So. <laughs> but out of all of this, out of all of what Dave Navarro says, the biggest thing that controls us is the image of who we think we should be with the input of good and bad from these different and secret influences in our lives. It's so hard to know who we're exactly meant to be. For our younger people, it is incredible. Social media today is so damaging and controlling. You know, the images they see on there and think this is how they should be. It's so hard. Social media is a killer. In a 2019 study into social media revealed this about 16 to 25 year olds. It says it found that 57% of 16 to 25 year olds believe social media creates an overwhelming pressure to succeed, while 46% say that comparing their lives with their friends on social media makes them inadequate. Now, published at a time when comparisons with peers online seem escapable for many young people, the report reveals that 48% feel more anxious about their future when comparing themselves with others on social media. More than 38% worry that they will never be as happy as the people they see on social media. And one in six, 16%, always or often feel panicked when seeing the lives of friends online. We have all these external pressures. How can we live? How can we possibly live a life of control? in a world that's full of chaos. With all these things that come at us and bombard us, whether you're young or old, it doesn't matter. These things every day are coming to bombard us. How do we possibly live a life of control? Every year the world gets busier. Trends change. The pressure to reinvent yourself is greater every year. And that can be said for everybody here. It doesn't matter if it's a promotion and job. We look at it as a church leadership. What do we do next year that's different? We need to reinvent ourselves and, and become trendy and fit in. The pressures of life is really hard. Even D Dave Navarro, who's a self-confessed junkie, knew what was controlling who he was, but could do nothing to fix it because he didn't know Jesus. And we do. We here today know Jesus. You know, in Ephesians 5.18, in the Amplified Version, it says, Do not get drunk with wine. For that is wickedness, corruption, and stupidity. But be filled with the Holy Spirit and constantly guided by him. What a great spirit, constantly guided by the Holy Spirit. If we want to have a life that is not controlled by corruption and the stupidity of the world, and that's not just talking about wine and alcohol, that's talking about everything that the world throws at you that controls you. If we want a life that's not led by that, we need to live a life that is full of the Holy Spirit and be guided by him. We need to give up control in order to have control. It's quite obvious after years of striving to be one thing or the other, we've lost our true identity. We've become bits and pieces of who we're meant to be. We've become Frankenstein Christians. We're just bits and pieces of ourselves. We live, we're happy to have a remote control life, to press play and just see where life takes us rather than have a life. We have a cruise, you know, you, know, you would just said a cruise control just takes you along. A lot of us just have a cruise control life. We hit cruise control, we just say, right, I, Let's, let's go life, take me where you want me to be. 
We need a life that is controlled by the Holy Spirit. We become spectators in our own lives. And we've talked about that and how it can lead to mass confusion and disappointment and expectations that we can never meet. So how can we get our lives in control? It's a massive question. How do we do it? In Matthew 16, 24 to 27, Jesus told his disciples, if anybody would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever will save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it or find it. By giving everything that we have to God and trusting in him is what we need to be doing. Everything we have, we need to trust with God. We need to lay down everything. We need to deny ourselves. If we want control, it sounds weird, but we've got to give it up. Yeah. Got to give our lives over to God for him to control. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I want a life where outside influences don't control me. I want to focus on Jesus and let him guide me. Recently, this is a minor thing, but it's big for me, is I haven't been wearing my smartwatch. My smartwatch goes off about every 12 seconds. Something's beeping at me, telling me to look at my watch. Jodie's always laughing, or she's laughing at me now. Jodie's always like, would you put your phone away? Would you turn your watch off? And I have people in my office, and I'm talking to them, and I'm trying to you know, help them with things, and every three seconds I'm looking at my watch because my watch is telling me to do something I don't want to do. My watch is controlling me, so now I just wear a watch, which is fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, that is unbelievable. It's only a little thing, but it is a massive deal to me. It's a big deal to me, and it changes things. And it's not comparing my watch to Jesus, but you look at Jesus. Even Jesus chose to surrender all to the will of the Father rather than trying to control his own life. When Jesus is in the wilderness being tempted, that was an exercise over control of his life. Would he be in control or would he surrender it to God? When Jesus is in the garden praying, knowing that his impending death was coming and he's about to give up his life, he could have changed everything. Instead, he said, not my will, but your will be done. He gave up that control to the fathers. And again, when Jesus was on the cross, he was tempted to take back control. First by the passerby, he cried out, you're going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. Save yourself. Come down from the cross. If you're the son of God, they were mocking him on the cross. He could have came off the cross. He could have called legions of angels to his help, but he didn't. And secondly, by the chief priests and the teachers, of the law and the elders who mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. Jesus at any time, any one of those times could have saved himself, but he gave up his control to the will of the Father. What an example Jesus is. I mean, he is the ultimate example, right? In John 5.30, Jesus said, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And that made him righteous. That made what his decisions were just because they weren't his decisions, they were the Father's. Jesus' answer to control issues in our life is to surrender. And we need to surrender everything to gain everything. I've been thinking why Christians find it so hard to surrender. And we, I, if I took a poll right now, and I said, how many people in this room believe that God can do anything? How many hands would I have up? Everybody would put their hands up. I know there's, you know, I'm too cool to put my hand up. But if you weren't too cool, everybody in this room today who believes in Jesus Christ would say, there is absolutely no doubt that Jesus can do anything. So why then do we surrender to think he can do things in our life? Why do we, why do we struggle with that word surrender? And I, I thought about it, and I thought it because it comes with such negative connotations. To, to surrender is to fail. 
To, to surrender is to be humbled. These are all the connotations that go with it. Surrender is seen as defeat and loss. But surrendering all we have is the complete opposite. It's freedom and it's salvation and it's control. When we surrender all we have to God, it is freedom, salvation, and we get control through God controlling us. I cannot tell you the amount of people that we've sat with in offices as leadership and talked about different things in their lives and we've given them advice and at the end of the day they didn't really want our advice because our advice would mean they'd have to surrender their thoughts and their, their will. And you, you can tell them anything you like. Don't marry that person. Don't take on that job. Don't do this because it's not good for you. And at the end of the day, they don't want to surrender to somebody else's thoughts because they want the control. And the amount of times we've seen it end in tears because they, they would not surrender. Not to us, but to God. They're afraid to give it to God. And that's the problem. We get afraid to give things to God. And I, it blows my mind. I'll take you back to that question. If I said, can God do anything in your life, you would all agree, yes, he absolutely can. But then we have this fear mechanism inside of us that won't let us surrender. It won't let us lay it down. And that is a bad and a sad thing. C.S. Lewis said this, the more we let go, sorry, the more we let God take us over, the more truly ourselves we become because he made us. He invented us. He invented all the different people that you and I were intended to be. It is when I turn to Christ, when I give up myself to his personality, that I first begin to have a real personality of my own. What an incredible thing to write. When I give up myself, that's when I become who I'm created to be. What a, who doesn't want to be the person that you were created to be? And this will only happen when we stop trying to control our lives and give in to the God's control. By giving God control, he will teach us how to control things his way. You know, when I give up my life to God, I find my prayer life is much better. I read more. I think more about other people. You know, God gives me that kind of control in my life. I don't particularly ask for it, but he gives it to me because he's in control and I'm doing his will. When I give up my life, my thoughts, the things that hold me back, God gives me control in the other things in other areas of my life. And I'm still working on a lot of things. I'm a long way from being where God wants me to be, but I constantly keep giving up my life for him. Think about this. As a parent, I've always wanted to do the right things for my kids. I've always wanted to teach them how to be resilient, how to be kind to other people, how to be nice, how to bounce back when things go wrong. And so one day I'm hoping that when they get older, the things that we've taught them when they're young, they'll have that control in their life. They'll understand these sort of things and then it'll be perpetual. They'll be teaching other people that sort of thing. And that's the same as God. God doesn't want to control you because he's a big bully and he's a big meanie. God wants to control you because he wants you to become like him. He wants you to become like him so that you can reflect him to other people. Or cheapest, I can't, don't know how many times I talk about that, that when we are for God, it's good for other people as well as ourselves because they see God in us, which is amazing. I want to become the me that he created, not the me that I'm trying to create. I read that surrendering your life to God means this. It's following God's lead without knowing where he's sending you. It's waiting for God's timing without knowing when he'll come. It's expecting a miracle without knowing how God will provide it. And it's trusting God's purposes without understanding the circumstances. We just have to trust God. We have to lay it all down. We have to be not worried and concerned about the outcomes. 
because if we're in God's will, if we're working and living under God's law and life, it's all going to work out for us, and we have to believe that. You've got to get it from our head into our heart and just trust. Gaining control starts by giving up pride, control, and independence, and all those things in our lives that we have deemed important and precious and have placed above Jesus Christ. It's allowing God to guide your life, making regular sacrifices in living and also serving him. It's acknowledging him in all things, realizing that everything in this life comes from him. And most of all, it means that we finally understand that we cannot make it without his constant guidance and protection. We can't do it. We've tried it. We've been trying it for years and years and years, trying to do it on our own in our best efforts, and it doesn't work out. So we need to relax and know that God's in control if we let him. Let me pray for you, and if the muses want to come. Father, I thank you that you are a God of love. You are a God of order, Father God, and I thank you that we can have the life that you've ordered for us, Lord, if we just lay down our lives and follow you, Father God. If we deny ourselves, Father God, then follow you. Lord, I just pray for all of us guys here today, Lord, that, Lord, we get something out of it and we realize and we understand that even though it's scary, Lord, we can trust in you, Father. So I just pray today, Lord, that you be in control. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. You've been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.